Hi, everybody. This is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 105. It's now been one year, five weeks, and six days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. Today, I'm back on the mountain, yay, at my next to upper zen place. And after I let something go, I'm ready to welcome new BCs, Carol from Detroit, who goes on the bravery report for reaching out, and Colleen, who is inspired to post her reaction to the beauty of the quilt Amy from Wisconsin made me. More comments about Amy's quilt from Suze, Sue from the UK, and Stephanie from Quebec, and from Amy herself. Then a comment by Stephanie from Quebec causes me to ponder on vanity and its use when setting our goals, and then a shout out to our missing BC Happy. I really hope you're doing well. This also leads into a different comment conversation with these same BCs and Donnie about binging, food tracking, and how we feel about ourselves. The unknown foolish funner brightens our day with a new chuckle, and I wrap up the show with my thoughts on what do we mean by enough? Stay tuned while we listen to Josh Woodward's inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go, then I'll share what I'm letting go of today. But I'm letting go, I'm letting go, it's a history that never really grows, I'm letting go, I'm letting go, it's a silent wind that never Josh, I'm feeling super inspired as I get to be in this peaceful Zen place on the mountain and all my troubles are far below me, just like I watch the cars far, far away on the freeway. So far, I can't hear their noise. And what I do hear are the birds and the little animals wrestling and lots and lots of lizards. Now, I happen to really like lizards. I know some people go, eh, but for me, lizards are really cool. It is kind of strange that I like snakes with legs, but I do. I like these little lizards, and I like to see the little birds hopping, and every now and again, as we get close to spring, I see the little bunnies hopping, and that's really cool. To go out into nature is to really be inspired. At least, that's how I feel about it. That's one reason why even though I used to be a dedicated gym rat and was lifting my weights and running on the treadmill and you know doing spin class, which I actually do like spin class, I just am so lucky to live in a place where I can be outdoors to do my intuitive exercise that I'm grateful and happy to forego the gym most days and come here on the mountain or go on the bike path or jump in the ocean. That's, that's my idea of fun and peace and gives me a chance to think. Now, speaking of peace and Zen, before I go on to what I'm letting go of today, I know today I'm not putting it off on purpose. I'm just being all thoughtful here. I do want all of you BCs who pray or send good thoughts to do that for Cheryl, our good friend in BC and her family. Now, her situation is private, so I'm not going to share it, but just know that she could really, really use your support right now. So please, again, those of you who pray, light candles at, you know, prayer rocks on the mountain, please do that for Cheryl and her family. Okay. Well, Lori, what are you actually going to let go of today? Do you have any idea? <laughs> yes, I do. I'm going to get 
I'm going to let go of something that's really hard and I bet I'm going to come up here and let go of it again and again and again. And that is having a critical judgmental attitude. Now that goes for others and for myself. In fact, I've been pondering lately on how most times when I'm being super bitchy and critical and snarky about someone else, I'm really got the button pushed because I don't like that thing about myself. Now, I know we probably heard this over and over and over again from self-help gurus and from those of us who've been in therapy or read articles on how to be a happier, more productive, more positive person. But it really, really hit me that my snarky, bitchy, critical nature not only sends its laser focus onto myself when I consider that I failed or screwed up, but onto others. And the things I'm particularly snarky and critical about are those things that I fear people will be snarky and critical about to me. I'll give you a specific example that was the height of my bitchy snarkiness. <laughs> I was out on my birthday in Palm Springs to a place called Melvin's. Now Melvin's was a cool happening it place like in the 60s with the rat pack, you know, waiters wearing full-on tuxes and lounge players playing and stars pictures on the walls and you know, martinis flowing and steak Diane on the menu and crepe Suzette was a hot new dish. This is the kind of place the Melvin's is. And now I've never been to Palm Springs before and I have no idea what was a good place to eat at. So we asked around at our hotel, the waiters and the wait staff and the guests, what, where would you go on your birthday? And some of them recommended we go to Melvin's for the quote experience of it. Now, I was fully warned that this is, could be on the cheesy side and you know sometimes these old things from the past show their age a bit but you know that's also kind of part of the experience after all I am from mid-century and I'm showing my age a bit so Melvin's would probably be a great fit for me and when we first got there and were seated at our table you know the waiter with the cloth on his arm was well you know, recommending a wine and all this kind of stuff. Now, some of the way that the waiter was speaking to us, I felt was a little bit condescending and not thinking that Mark in his Hawaii shirt and me in my, you know, my slacks and fairly nice shirt, but nothing too dressy, knew our way around a wine list. Now, nothing could be further from the truth. Mark and I actually do enjoy wine and we enjoy tasting it and we have some ideas on what we like, but we just let that go. And we're busy, you know, picking out what we were going to have for dinner. Well, right next to us was this brother and sister in their 60s. Now, I know this because they mentioned their age in the course of their very loud conversation. And their mother, who was in her early 90s. And, you know, bad enough when you're trying to enjoy your meal to have a family speaking very, very loudly right next to you because the tables aren't far away from one another though oddly that there were empty tables in the section we were at and we were seated immediately next to this loud talking family well i'm kind of used to that and being somewhat of a loud talker myself i'm a little bit sensitive to how people can be that way so i try to let that roll off my back and go back to enjoying picking out my delightful birthday food okay 
All right, next thing you know, the waiter is coming over to this table to find out what this family would like for dessert. And this sister, who is a nicely dressed woman in her very early 60s, who has a figure that looks quite nice, you know, very nice, starts saying in her extremely loud voice, now, you know, dessert is awful. Now, just imagine that I'm not married. I'm your sister. I'm not married. What's worth me becoming super fat even though I'm not married? You know, what's worth putting that blubber right on my hips? I mean, really, not just a little bit. What's really worth me being super fat from eating this food? What food is worth me becoming obese? And, you know, remember, I'm not married. Remember, I'm the sister who you love and I'm not married. What is absolutely worth me becoming? fat by eating. Well, as you can imagine, this kind of triggered my intuitive F you moment in my head, like shut the F up, you effing bitch. That's what I'm thinking right now because it's pretty hard for me to want my creamy Vichy soise and Bernays sauce and other delights that I would certainly enjoy on my birthday when I've got this woman screaming for an extended amount of time about how ugly and fat she would be if she had even one bite of dessert and what dessert would make it worth it to her to become so ugly and fat. I really was annoyed. I mean, my inner bitch rose like the wrath of God, though I guess God wouldn't have wrath like this. I mean, it was wrath of probably the other person, not the God, okay? <laughs> and I said to Mark under my breath, just barely, what an effing bitch. I want to go over there and tell her to shut the F up. And I really did. And my face just got red. I was so annoyed and angry because I mean, if she took even one look at us, it's obvious that Mark and I are not of the slender variety, right? So it's pretty darn obvious to me that screaming about how ugly becoming fat is, is not very polite to the diners who are sitting next to you. But it also became plain to me that this lady had no more attention of us or, you know, we weren't in her mind at all. She wasn't trying to insult us. She was telling her true feelings. And really what she's trying to say to the waiters, what's a really great dessert? And she's trying to make a connection by using the societal means of demonstrating that to eat a fattening dessert is just the most terrible thing a woman can do. And to put on an ounce of weight makes that person get fat. And to be fat makes you unappealing and unmarried. Well, Missy, I've been married and I've been fat. In fact, I was fatter than this when I got married. <laughs> so, you know, your premise is wrong. But even though that made me extremely angry and as a matter of fact, made me skip dessert, not because I was scared of being fat, but because I could not stand to be in the presence of this family. They continued to talk very loudly and at length about different topics that just enraged me and kind of made me not enjoy my birthday dinner. So we went over into the bar. We took the remainder of our wine to the bar, which we were allowed to do. And there was a very good piano player playing in the bar. And there was a man who looked like he was in his 60s and must have had great experiences singing in clubs or in lounges or just at this very bar very often because he was a very good singer. So it was fun to listen to him and then come to find out that it was this man's birthday. His name's Larry. Hi, Larry. I know you're not listening, but his name was Larry. 
and it was his birthday and I went up to him and said, Larry, I'm happy to hear you sing. It's my birthday too. And he's like, wow, that's great. It's wonderful. And then his wife or girlfriend started passing out pieces of chocolate cake. And she was saying, well, there's not enough cake to give to all the people in the bar. I'm sorry about that. And Larry said, well, you've got to give a piece of cake to this lady, it's her birthday too. Now the wife was kind of giving me the eye like, I just said there's not enough. And I said, you know, that's okay. Your singing is dessert enough. But he says, I insist. So I said to the wife or girlfriend, just give me a small taste. So Mark and I shared a small taste of Larry's chocolate birthday cake. And whether or not it went straight to my hips and made me fatter, I don't care. That was some of the best birthday dessert I've ever had because this man shared it from his heart and was glad that he had a birthday twin there enjoying his singing and enjoying his birthday. So that taught me a lot, right? The food didn't really matter, and actually, even though this family that were loud talking and the women complained about being fat were, in my opinion, very rude, the real issue is how critical and mean I allowed myself to become after hearing this. Okay, I had choices. Sure, that was annoying, but I could have said to myself, wow, this poor woman, what's gone on in her life that, you know, that she feels this way to exclaim in this manner in public and have no knowledge that she's impacting others around her you know there's there's something in her life that probably isn't so great right how do I know maybe she was really really fat and she's had to work hard to get down to the nice figure that she has maybe food is absolutely terrifying to her maybe she wanted with all of her heart to have a taste of this food but she needed the outside assurance of the waiter that the food she was about to put into her body was so delicious that it was worth it because she didn't trust herself to make that determination. For me, let's say I ordered the crepe Suzette because I thought it would be delicious and I took a bite of it and it wasn't delicious to me, I would stop eating it and order something else. <laughs> okay, but that's now. You know, I don't know what's up with this woman, but all I could see with my blinders on was, this is my birthday and you are effing it up. This is my birthday and your nonsense is spilling over and impacting me. Now, I know that this woman didn't mean to impact me. And as I said before, this woman was the type of woman who has no knowledge that anyone else in the world even exists, I believe, <laughs> except for herself. And maybe that was a button that was really being pushed on me too because it really annoys me when people, you know, like cut in front of you or do things like their time is much more valuable than your time or do things that give you that feeling of that you are less than, right? Or that you are invisible or that you're not worthy. So since all of these feelings were just cascading down on my head from what this poor lady was saying, chances are pretty good that these are the very feelings that this lady is trying to avoid by doing what she's doing, right? She's probably making a connection with the waiter. She's trying to make a connection with her family, even though her family are assuring her, you know, you look good, you can eat what you like. And they had other conversations that showed me that this, you know, this dynamic was something that I'm kind of glad is not my dynamic right now. But I let that bother me for a long, long time. 
And I realized that I do the same thing, you know, with my voice acting when I get all scared of criticism. Like those of you that are singers, right? If you're already a singer like Fiona, you know, or you've sung in the past or you're used to using your voice, you know that what you want to do is be supporting your breath and have an expansive feeling through your chest. Like all of you BCs right now, pretend you're Superman and you have a cape on and now breathe with your Superman cape and you will get that feeling of expansion. Now that's the way that you want to be. You want to breathe in from your diaphragm and to have this feeling of expansion because that's the best way to control your breath. So when you're singing or voice acting, you need to control your breath. The sounds you make with this breath is what your notes are made of and it's kind of you know what your sounds are made of well when i get scared i do the opposite now pretend someone just hits you in the gut with their fist right and your shoulders come in and your voice gets all constricted and tight and squeaky well this is the habit that i get when i feel panicked or scared or not sure of doing my voice acting is i do the very opposite of what would help and i constrict on myself making my take worse And I was thinking about that. My voice coach, David, was mentioning this. He says, I noticed that you are constricting when you get nervous, and especially on the first takes. And I thought about that. I'm scared of criticism. I'm scared of doing a bad job. So what would make me constrict is that that is like a feeling of protection, right? Like I just said, if someone hits you in the guts, you're going to like bend over and kind of cocoon with yourself right you're going to try to protect yourself so in a way I'm making myself smaller and less of a target by this whole constricting and bringing my shoulders in the exact opposite of what I want to do it's like when you learn to drive in the snow and the ice right if you hit a skid your reaction is to put on your brake and to turn sharply the opposite way of your skid but what you have to actually do to help yourself is take your foot off of the brake and to turn in the direction of the skid until the momentum is less, you feel your tires start to grab the snow or the street or something else, and then you can start to apply the the gas or the brake. Okay, so you have to train yourself when you're driving in snow and ice to do differently than you would instinctively do. Right now, I need to train myself when I become fearful of criticism in my voice class to instead of letting myself go in to put on the Superman cape and take a new breath with an expansive chest. And back to how I responded to this woman, next time I get myself feeling so angry and judgmental and have the how dare you feeling, I need to instead of having the F you response come forward, I need to notice that response and then have this thought. What is this person doing that is triggered about me? Like, what is it about me that I'm mad about? Because obviously I have fear that people are going to think I'm too fat to be having dessert. I'm obviously wanting to eat whatever I would like on my birthday, but I have a secret fear still the eating what I like means I'm going to go out of control and put on a bunch more weight and that weight is bad, even though I've been working on this all this year. All of those issues are in me. So yes, this woman outside of myself was being rude, but what really made me mad was what 
came up for me with all of these things that she was saying? What came up for me? So these seeds is pretty darn hard when you get into the F-U mood to let go of that and let go of this criticism and let go of the critical voice. But I tell you right now, I'm going to try to let go of that critical voice or at the very least use it to notice that there's a moment where I have a chance to make a new choice. Well, now that I've gotten rid of all of the criticalness out of my nature, it's a great time to welcome our new BCs. Hooray! First up, Carol from Detroit first contacted me via the contact form and earned her spot on the bravery report by giving me permission to share her story. This is what Carol wrote. I just found your podcast today and I think it's absolutely wonderful. I'm on episode nine and I totally understand what you're feeling slash saying. I'm currently, and then she tells me her weight, which I'm not going to share with you right now. Anyway, I have never ever been this heavy in my entire life and it really sucks. I've tried everything and like you, I was very successful losing 90 pounds once upon a time in my life on Weight Watchers. I've tried everything from personal training to a nutritionist, Weight Watchers, and now I'm actually in therapy because of all this. It's literally making me crazy. Food is all I think about all the time. So I just wanted to say thank you for posting such good content that people can relate to. This show is so great. I can't wait to listen more along your journey. I also wanted to give you the message and let you know that your podcast today has inspired me to work out. I travel for work one week per month and I hate the hotel gym. But today after listening to several podcasts in the car, driving for five hours on my butt, I actually got myself on the treadmill. So thank you. Eating out every meal stresses me out every time I have to travel, and I have some hope between my therapist and your show I can conquer this eating disorder. She said I do have both compulsive and some binge eating in there. Yippee, frickin' skippy. I honestly have gone all these years not really realizing this was an actual diagnosis, and there are others out there like me. It oddly comforts me to know this about myself. Anyhow, I'm blathering on. Please keep up all the good info and content. I really am looking forward to getting through more of your shows. I hope you're having lots of success on your weight loss and personal journey. Thank you so much, XOXO Carol. And this is where she gets really brave. P.S. Please feel free to use slash post anything that I sent you if you'd like. I'm an open book. Carol from Detroit then solidified her bravery by reaching out and posting publicly while I was away celebrating this year's birthday. By strange coincidence, Carol posted on day 16 the show about last year's birthday trip from Vegas. Carol writes, I think I found your podcast right on time. Although I am showing up late to the party, I anticipate catching up to your current episode quickly. I'm on business travel right now in Indy, and I travel once a month in one-week blocks for my corporate job. I love it, but I absolutely dread the eating aspect of road trips slash traveling. Good for you for making mindful decisions and doing this podcast. I'm so glad it's out there. I feel how you felt in this episode every month. Gosh, I completely understand the feelings you get when you're traveling and have to deal with all the food. Sometimes it literally stresses me out, and I'm learning this is a huge trigger for me. How could it not be, right? After all, it's free food, right? Anyhow, thanks again. This episode spoke to me directly today. Thanks for all of the good content. 
Well, Carol, thank you so much for contacting me and being brave and posting. And hooray for Sue from the UK, who stepped in while I was away to welcome Carol. Sue says, welcome, Carol. I hope you continue to enjoy these podcasts. I always find inspiration and gain more self-awareness from listening. I hope that as you continue to listen and reflect that you will find a strategy that works for you. I look forward to hearing more from you. And... Another new BC posted. Her name is Colleen, and she posted for the first time on the blog post where I talk about Amy's beautiful quilt that she made me. Colleen writes, Lori, thank you for writing and telling us about your quilt. Every time you look at it, you will know you are loved. Beautiful use of your gift of quilting, Amy. Well, welcome, Colleen, and thanks for taking the time to post, and welcome to us, the Brave Companions. I'm glad you're one of us. And I'm super glad you are adding your unique emotional color to our company. Colleen's post also gives me an excellent chance to share the cool comment conversation we all had on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com on my blog post, Life's a Quilt, Enjoy the Colors. That's one where I share photos of Amy's quilt and close-ups of its pattern. Suzanne writes there, what a gorgeous quilt. I love that beautiful design and boy does Amy know what she's doing with those colors I am in awe so beautiful I reply yes and I couldn't believe how well it matched up to what I like and how creative the color blocking was I was in awe when I saw it too and I couldn't believe Amy would send such a wonderful gift to me but now I do believe it she shared her love with me because she is kind and loving and so creative it made her happy to share her talent it's the same with you, dear Suzanne. Your tiara is so wonderfully just what I would like and your creativity is off the charts that you would think it up. You share your heart with me too and I so appreciate you both. What a wonderful birthday to have the caring of great friends like you, XOXOXO. And by the way, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Suzanne made me a wonderful tiara that has pearls and beads and sparklies and it's spells out brave b-r-a-v-e and i just love that and you can see it i think on day 104 my bonus episode that i just did i think that has the picture of my birthday brave tiara anyway back to these comments amy from wisconsin then chimes in and says i'm so glad that you love the quilt and see so much to relate to in it I often think about how all the different colors come together to make a beautiful quilt, just like all the different little personalities in my classroom come together to make a wonderful learning community. I love your reflection today, and I'm glad that your journey is continuing on. I enjoy following the twists and turns. Sue from the UK adds, Your creativity, both of you, is amazing. What a gift. What a blessing. And Stephanie from Quebec gives her thoughts. The quilt is beautiful. Lots of hard work in there. I have done some quilting myself, and the art of precision and exactitude of geometry patterns is lots of work. I can see you have perfected your art, Amy. Congrats. So, BCs, that was really fun to let everybody see the talent of Amy and the talent of Suze with the photos on the blog. Just another good reason to come stop by CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com to check out what they're talking about and to see photos from the show and today's show notes while I'm on that topic will be at compulsiveovereatingdiary.com slash day 105 day 105 
After that little plug for CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com, here's an interesting question that Stephanie from Quebec posted on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com as part of her comment on day 103. Stephanie writes, Something tickles my ear when I hear about the word vanity in general. I've checked the dictionary. Vanity is excessive pride or lack of real value. It's one in a nice body, and I mean nice by our own personal standards, not society standards. Really vanity? Where is the line between true vanity in a negative sense and self-love of our whole, not just our inner beauty? Having esteem for your body, wanting to feel pretty to ourselves, wanting to arouse our spouse, feeling empowered by the way we dress, gaining confidence from a good look. And what is the opposite of vanity? Does not being vain mean always wearing our comfy, ugly PJs and never combing our hair? Gosh, Stephanie, that sounds an awful lot like me. <laughs> but no. Anyway, back to your question. I guess the question I'm asking, Donnie, Lori BCs, is are there, quote, better and more, quote, valuable, more noble reasons to work on our weight, whether it is to maintain, lose, or gain? I wish I could say that my weight loss journey was first and foremost for health reasons. But the truth is that the number one reason is related to image. Image in a non-superficial way, image as a powerful vector of confidence and self-esteem. Well, I think that Stephanie's question about vanity is really interesting, and I would just love it, before I give you my thoughts, I would love it if you would send some audio and give your response so I can put it in the next show. I would love that. Now, if you're not sure how to send audio, I have a page on CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com called How to Send Audio, and it tells you you can call the Bravery Hotline, you can use SpeakPipe, and if you are comfortable using Skype, SpeakPipe is just as easy, and there are instructions exactly how to do it. If you are somebody that knows how to use like a shared drive like Google Docs, or you have um, you know, a cloud space where you can share a link to me, then you can record your audio any way you want and just send me a link so I can download it. As <laughs> simple as that. I love to put your voice on the show. And I think this topic about where do we draw the line between how we feel about how we look and, you know, is it shameful now to wish that we looked better and we would like to lose weight? You know, I've talked a lot about our inner emotions, but there are reasons why you just want to look good. And Stephanie's done a good job outlining it. But I would love to hear your point of view. If you're a little too shy about talking to put your voice on the show, or but you still want to have your stories heard, then please leave your comments on today's show notes, day 105, so I can gather those up to read in the next show too. All right, Stephanie, now I want to give you my take on vanity and how that impacts our weight loss journeys or our body image journeys. See, I think that there is a huge big difference between you determining what looks good to you and what feels good to you and that's internally coming from within you, okay? And I think a big clue is how objective you are about your body at the moment, right? Like I can look at my body objectively and say to myself, I'm not fitting into the chairs as well as I would like to which means, you know, again, this is more of a, a functional thing for me, but objectively, I can say I don't fit into chairs. And if that caused me such shame, 
that I felt like I didn't deserve to go to the play or I didn't deserve to go outside because obviously I am so big that I need to be covered up from head to toe and anyone who has to look at me would be ashamed and I would be open to ridicule and I would deserve it. Now I know this seems extreme, but this is really the inner dialogues that I would have with myself about my size. Okay, that is not good. So if I'm saying I want to look better and I want to be a different size so that I can feel comfortable in my skin emotionally, that I can feel worthy, that I can feel okay to go out of the house. I can feel okay to go sit in the chair. I, you know, that kind of, to change the way I look will make me feel okay about myself in that kind of way. Versus, you know, I would feel great if I could feel confident rocking this bikini this summer. That would make me feel awesome. And to do that, I'm going to do these different things. And you don't get down on yourself if things don't work out perfectly every single day, but you see it more as a goal that you want for yourself. And you're just working towards that goal. Okay, that is not disordered eating. That is working towards a physical goal. And it is a slippery slope because, you know, some of the people see themselves as super fat when they're not because they have body image issues okay that's a different thing and so sometimes it can be tricky and if it is tricky for you bcs listening to know is this something that i'm generating from within my own self in an objective manner that my life would i would be happy if i could change this about myself versus i have an eating disorder and i have a body image issue then check in to the National Eating Disorders Association or find therapy or talk to a trusted friend or someone who can give you some feedback because that's definitely where I think it makes a difference. I think when you have really successfully separated out your body and what your body functions as and what your body looks like and its appearance from your inner worth, then you can have any goal that you choose right? It's like knowing what's delicious. I don't need a waiter to tell me what's delicious. I know if something is delicious to me or not. That wasn't always true. Before I didn't have that confidence. I might have been like, well, waiter, which of these is the most delicious? So I would know what's worth it. It's the same with how your body is. Some people want to have a very slender appearance. Maybe they have, you know, more petite height, more petite bones, Maybe that's how they feel more comfortable physically. If you're in Hollywood, no joke, you have to be very, 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 very slender. When you see these actors in person, they are skinny as twigs, the ones who look slender on the screen. And that is a pressure of their job. I would hate to have that. You know, so I'm glad we've got the actors now that are a larger size. And some of those that we think of as larger size, when you see them in person, they're normal size, okay? So also ballerinas or dancers, they might need to keep their weight down because of the pressures of their job. So that may or may not get all mixed up into their their self-worth issues and how they feel about themselves and their careers. So you know why you want to change your body has a lot of different attributes. But no, I don't think your wish to appear different or to look what you consider your best is a bad reason. 
I really don't. I don't think the reason is really important to why we do what we do as long as it's something that's coming from within you and isn't a, an eating disorder voice talking to you. Now, if you're listening to Compulsive Overeating Diary and you don't have some form of eating disorder or <laughs> issues with it, you might not know what I'm talking about, okay? I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you didn't have some of these issues because people can put on some weight without having an eating disorder. They could just, you know, over time, your metabolism slows down typically and you can put on some weight. So you might be reaching my age and all of a sudden notice you got 15 more pounds than you used to have 10 years ago. And you wonder, huh, how'd that happen? So you decide to go to Weight Watchers and that works great for you. You learn how much to eat for your current weight and activity and you eat that and you get to goal and it's all good. You're not worried about it. You don't feel bad about yourself. You say, oh, I don't like weighing this 15 pounds extra. That is a different thing. If you have voices in your head, you know, berating you, look how fat you are, look how awful you are, and you don't feel confident in your body as you are, that's where it gets kind of tricky. You know, I'm not a therapist, so I can't say, yes, Stephanie, I understand absolutely that you are you know, in a healthy place. Though my impression from what you've been describing and all of your comments and all of our interactions and all that I've seen on your Instagram account, my non-therapist opinion would be that Stephanie from Quebec is pretty much in a healthy place and working on her journey to get her body in mind with her beautiful, in line with her beautiful spirit and to become what she wants to become and she's taking it slow and she's not being hard on herself and she's doing what she wants to do. And Stephanie, you are a gorgeous lady. So it makes total sense to me that you want to become in your view even more gorgeous, right? That makes sense. Now, I never felt gorgeous. I always felt kind of cute and funny and cuddly and tell you the truth there's been many many times I felt sexy as all get out I've never had a problem finding a boyfriend or a romantic partner or any of those things at any of my sizes even when I was 300 pounds I had guys flirting with me all of the time and I think that was just kind of my outgoing nature so I would put on a bathing suit actually even at 300 pounds and go to the pool and if I was in a sexy feeling mood I would just be feeling sexy so my weight didn't impact me in that manner but my weight did impact me in my self-worth manner in other ways it's kind of funny isn't it now that I think of it when I was dealing with the opposite sex I never really felt as badly about my weight as I did when dealing with women maybe because I never was one to get the whole wear makeup thing or to do my hair. I was more out with the guys, not necessarily playing sports, but I was a, a nerd and a Star Trek fan and a comic book collector and hang out with the guys. And then I, you know, that kind of a person. So maybe I was never as motivated by beauty. I was more motivated by, I feel badly about myself. So 
I guess there's another question for another day. So thanks, Stephanie, for bringing your vanity question to light. And you, BCs, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this? Now, before I finish up with Stephanie and her question, I wanted to read the rest of her comment. She says, Oh, I love the courage of Suze to call the hotline and the great things you shared after, Lori. It's true the streaks always end. On Instagram, Happy used to post every day, but since her streak went out, she stopped posting. So I am hoping she listened and found it as meaningful as I did. I'm even starting to observe on my own typical streak as I am usually on track for five to seven days and then have an off-track episode. Not always binging, but overeating for sure. I'm starting to wonder if I shouldn't plan my off-tracking to better control it. I will give this some more thoughts. Also, hi, new BCs. Welcome to the club of these great people. Finally, Lori, wow, how happy I am to hear that it went well in Washington. And just as Donnie said, I too was touched by the fact that you let us walk beside you as you were demonstrating vulnerability. That is very brave. As always, I'm impressed by your capacity to explain your feelings and communicate. I know that you have been working really hard on yourself and it shows because you exude clarity and lucidity when talking about your thought process. It is beautiful to hear. Stephanie, XX. Well, thanks, Stephanie, for your thoughtful comments and questions. As always, they trigger good thoughts and add to the support we feel here. And I wanted to add my own good thoughts for Happy. And Happy Dear, if you are hearing this, please don't be ashamed. Go ahead and post here or on Instagram or just send me a private message via the contact form on CompulsiveOverEatingDiary.com. No matter where you are with your food issues, we BCs have been there and we care. Every moment is a new chance to live and celebrate your life and to make new choices. You are not defined by how well you are managing your streaks or your goals at the moment. We all stumble or find things out about ourselves during challenges. In my own life, isolation is the biggest hurdle I face. I so understand wanting to withdraw and to be in a cocoon so as not to feel hurt or disappointed. But the bravery it takes to reach out in those times of trouble is the bravery that most changes our lives for the better. It is scary, but oh, so worth it. So dear happy, wherever you are, we are sending you love and support and would love to hear how you're doing. Here's a big hug from us. Another set of comments that got me really thinking this week began with Amy from Wisconsin's comment on show 103. That's where I describe my emotions on facing my inner demons during my trip back home to Washington where I grew up. And then I also give my take on binging and how to recover from a binge based on the phone call from our brave Suzanne. Amy writes, Oh my, I have so many thoughts on both this show and on the comments above. I'm going to let go of my perfectionistic need to put down every single thought and just see what flows out of the fingertips. This was an amazing show, Lori. I restarted it three times because I kept getting interrupted and I knew that what I'd heard was good and wanted to listen again to make sure I didn't miss anything. I may even listen one more time. Your reflections on shame and your trip back to Washington really spoke to me. There is still a bit of shame about my body living inside me. I'm going to keep working at pushing that out. I do pretty good when I'm by myself or with hubby, but my coworkers and my mom both love to talk about losing weight, both of whom are thinner than me, and I tend to feel more shameful around them. 
I appreciate your bravery in sharing those raw and painful feelings, and I want to celebrate with you for sharing episode 100 with your mom and having that important conversation. Bravo! I wish I'd heard this episode back when this binge round started. Maybe I would have been able to stop it sooner. Do you know that I waited to listen until I felt ready to stop the binge cycle? It's this thing I do. Once a serious cycle gets going, I can't stop in the middle of it. I have to allow a few days of binging before I feel ready to stop, so I don't even try. Well, I hope this is the last binge cycle I ever have. If I do have another, I'd like to try and stop it sooner. Anyway, your exercise of being in the moment was wonderful. I'm going to do that on a daily basis, maybe even a few times a day. I think part of me getting going on this binge cycle was that I had moved away from any attempt at intuitive eating. I wasn't on a strict diet, but just eating whatever and not thinking at all about how my body is feeling. Back to the basics for me. Thanks, too, for the shout-out for your quilt. It was fun to hear your reaction. I know you have another show out now, so I'm going to listen to that right away. I've missed you while you've been gone, but I'm glad you've been enjoying some good time away. After listening to bonus show number 104, where I ponder how I feel about tracking calories to figure out my digestive issues and to consider if I may in future wish to limit calories slightly again, Amy writes this. I just couldn't wait until Monday to hear the next show, so I just bit the bullet and downloaded Data Limit Be Darned. I'm right here cheering for you, Lori. I understand the fear that you feel regarding tracking food and counting calories. My own experience of backtracking due to very minor restrictions showed me that this is a slow journey, and I wasn't ready for that yet. I love that you are working on this with your therapist and that you are really aware of the possible slippery slope. You've made a lot of progress since June, and as long as you stay tuned into your body, I think you'll be okay. If you feel like talking to us more often as you make this transition, please know that we are all happy to listen. Amy's thoughtful comments trigger me to write this answer. Hooray, Amy, for letting your thoughts pour out. I think that is the best way to see what's resonating around in our heads and hearts. Let it pour right out through the keys. Thanks again for your beautiful quilt. I posted the photos today and was inspired by it to ponder on authenticity and love. See your heart shone through that quilt and inspired me. Boy, I know what you mean about wanting to be over a binge episode before trying to change anything. I think part of that is that we want to binge for a reason and we just aren't ready to deny ourselves the relief that goes with the binge. We really aren't thinking about consequences during binge season, only relief. The consequences later on make us immune to the relief we got by binging and make us think we must be insane to treat ourselves this way. But believe me, we are not insane and the binges serve us. For me, replacing the binge with something else that met those needs was key and that can be so darn tricky. Intuitive eating helped me get over the food deprivation. Therapy is helping me feel and express my needs in words. This show and the encouragement of the BCs has helped me to take risks, such as learning to do voice acting. Even though I am considered fat and over 50 and not experienced as an actor, all of the reasons that would have before last year convinced me not to even try and to probably eat some chips in order to mask my disappointment and disgust with myself. Even if I became conscious that I even had a desire to try my hand at voice acting. So many needs my binging served, so many different emotions. So I need my multi-pronged approach. Another thing I notice is I can never get full during a binge or a compulsive eating episode. When I am physically hungry, I start to experience a change in hunger right away after eating a few bites. When I do not, I know it isn't hunger. 
Sometimes I can, quote, go in the moment, unquote, and determine what I need. I also noticed that if I really want this food for the taste of it, even if I'm not hungry, a few bites will do. I will notice after the third bite that it doesn't taste as good. If there is no change in flavor or fullness, it is emotional eating and no amount of eating will help long term. I began getting better by simply noticing. It didn't change the binging, but helped me change my thought patterns and automatic response. I also think this is why I'm not freaking out too much yet about tracking. The numbers don't change my feelings. Before, on a diet, I would eat by the numbers. Now I'm just putting numbers down to represent my eating. I am fascinated by this change. Not ready to be cocky, though. I still have some fear about tracking, but so far, no diet thoughts are bothering me. Even when I consider bringing my calories down a few hundred someday if my body remains this size, it feels more mechanical and less threatening than usual. But then I am glad my therapist is helping me with this. That is a huge help. Hang in there, my friend. You are also learning, and every moment is a new one. XOXOXO. Then Donnie says, I know you were talking to Amy, but Lori, thank you so much for sharing this. I needed this. This is what you needed. This is a missing key slash link for me. Oh my wowza, thanks so much. Sue from the UK writes in response to my food tracking ponderings. Also, interesting thoughts. I have been wondering if I have a food intolerance issue and the only way to really find out is to keep a food diary. I suspect that it would be ever so tempting to slip into obsessing about numbers in order to lose some weight. However, as I really crash about 30 minutes to one hour after eating some days, I really do need to find out what is causing it. I am also pre-diabetic, so really should cut down on the sugar content. The way I plan to tackle this is to allow some sweet things, but in small quantities and only when I really want it and only after a main course. It will be interesting to see if my body will tolerate it. I have benefited so much from the intuitive eating approach and am much more able to determine when I have had enough. And interestingly, the appeal of a pudding is often more tempting than actual eating of it. And it is the puddings that I am most likely to leave some of. I hope you find a plan that is right for you. And as you are so in tune with your body and what it feels like, and when something is not quite right, then it only makes sense to try and identify the issue and try to improve things. Amy from Wisconsin checks in with her progress. My check-in, first day of not binging in several days, feeling healthier and happier already, staying off the scale for now. Not sure how long I will stick with that, a few weeks minimum. Went for a nice walk with DH and had dinner out. Stopped when I'd had enough and brought leftovers home. I'm glad that one day of tracking didn't set you off. Good start and I'll be thinking of you this week. And Donnie says, so happy to hear you're seeking out ways to help you in your current journey. It's all a journey and learning is what we do best, eh? Yay for day one of calmness and hopefully that sticks through. But if not, well, you'll reassess and reevaluate and go from there because we all know, because all we have is right now. Way to go, Lori. And good job, Amy. You got this, girl. Self-care is most important. Sue, I'm working through what you've described as your action plan. Trying hard to know what's enough. And for me, what's driving me past the point of, oops, that was enough as I continue. Good luck to all of us. Well, BCs, thanks for that interesting comment conversation. And I just want to make a quick point here that by posting or calling or communicating, you're doing more than helping yourself. You're helping all of us 
to deal with these issues in a way where we feel not alone, where we feel like we're not odd ducks, where we know that we can get some other opinions, maybe get a fresh look at what we're telling ourselves. And communication and not isolating is really, really, really the key to helping ourselves through this tricky, tricky issue of figuring out food, our bodies, and what we want, and the lives that we hope to lead. And speaking of communication, here's my favorite kind. The unknown foolish funner has sent us a new joke. So take it away, foolish funner. I love to hear from you. <laughs> Lori presents Foolish Fun. <laughs> the feature where messing up is just part of the act. <laughs> pretty funny. Now UBCs, if you just don't have the nerve yet to tell about your innermost thoughts and secrets, but you would love to be on the show, I would love for you to use any way that you can send audio and tell me a joke or sing a song or do something silly for Foolish Fun, because Foolish Fun is by far my favorite feature on this show. Well, this has definitely been a long and emotionally charged show up here on the mountain. I'm glad it's nice and calm. But before I wrap up, I had one last thought that I wanted to explore with you today, and that is the concept of enough, right? When you go to the all-you-can-eat buffet, don't you feel like you just need to stuff yourself silly so that you are getting all you can eat? <laughs> what is all you can eat? Is it until you are stuffed to the gills and you can't possibly put another bite down your throat without making yourself throw up? Is that all you can eat? What a weird concept. How about when you go to the restaurant and you're served a huge big portion? Do you need to eat all of that because it's all on the plate and you were taught as a youngster that that is enough? That if it's on your plate, you must eat it? For me, enough when it comes to food is dependent upon why I'm putting food into my body. I touched on this a little bit earlier in the show in the various segments, but it really made me think about it. If I'm physically hungry, like I expect, when I go down this mountain after recording this, it's a pretty long hike, and I think I'm going to be hungry for lunch. I think my body will be hungry. I don't think I will have any doubt that I am hungry. My body will be hungry and I will make some lunch. And as I eat some of this lunch, my body will become less hungry. My body will become less hungry right away. 
Now it might take some time since I've been on a long hike for my body to send me the signal that I've had all the food that I need to meet my energy needs right now. That is that tricky, tricky satiety signal that if you eat slow enough and you pay attention enough, your body will actually say, hey you, I don't need another bite. That is the place to be. It's, sometimes it's hard, harder to hear. But even if I don't get that right, even if I eat some bites over satiety, that signal, when I'm hungry, enough is when I'm not hungry, <laughs> okay? And that will be different amounts depending on my level of activity, how much did I eat the day before, how much did I sleep. When I'm hungry, enough is till I'm not hungry, <laughs> okay? All right, when something is absolutely delicious, like I'm not hungry, but this is without a doubt the most beautiful cheesecake that I have ever seen in years. And there it is on the buffet or on the menu or in some way I can get my paws on this cheesecake because it looks so divine. Maybe some friends have told me, oh, Lori, this is the best cheesecake in the world. Well, first of all, if I can stand it, the smart thing would be to take a piece for later because things taste better when you are hungry. But maybe I don't feel like having a whole piece. Maybe my friends have ordered it, and there I am, not hungry at all, but I would like to have a bite of it. In that case, if I'm really wanting the food, I will take the time to savor those flavors, to think about it on my tongue, to let that taste explode in my mouth and to appreciate all that makes this cheesecake so very, very wonderful. I won't be gobbling it down like there's no tomorrow. I will be tasting it. And probably one bite or two would be more than enough. Because enough is, I wanted to have that moment. Remember last time I did that in the moment exercise that Amy was talking about, where I had you take a deep breath and just say out loud how you were, where you were, and how you were feeling. Well, you can do that with food too. Try it, take a bite of something delicious next time that you want something delicious, like a bite of ice cream or a piece of chocolate or quiche or fresh baked bread or pizza, anything that's delicious. Instead of just eating it, go in the moment. Take a bite of it, and now this one you can't talk with your mouth full, but in your mind, just think to yourself, okay, I'm eating this delicious cheesecake. It's in my mouth. I can taste all the sweetness and the hint of lemon and the sour cream is creamy and the texture is slightly chalky and the graham cracker crust is crunchy and it's just so delicious as it's going over my tongue and it feels this way as it's sliding down. Pay attention to the food. It's got smell. It's got all these different flavors on your palate. There's bitter, sweet, salty, the umami kind of vinegary type taste. There's all these flavors that you can discern within a bite of food that's wonderful in a super delicious piece of food to taste these things. Um, different foods have different textures that feel fluffy, crunchy, smooth, creamy, all these things. Even a salad has these different textures that you can explore. So if you're really wanting that food, if you're really wanting that flavor, 
this exercise will feel amazing and you'll feel happy. If you're not, you're going to be pissed as hell that you're even considering doing this exercise because you don't really want the flavor. You want to get the food down you. So if you're not really hungry and you're not really wanting the flavor and you're just trying to get food down you, then I guess nothing will ever be enough until you are physically stuffed and you can't eat anymore or the food is plain gone. At least that's been my experience. Because the enough we're trying to fill in that case is an emotional enough or an avoiding enough or I want to have the chemicals generated by this food type hit my brain as fast as I can. I want the sugar rush, the chocolate rush, the carb rush, whatever it is rush, I want it to hit me as fast as I can. And I don't really care about the flavor to get there. I just want the, the food delivery in my system. There's lots of reasons why you could be wanting to eat food. There's lots of reasons why it's hard to tell when enough is enough. But for me, the fact that I can't tell it's enough tells me that this is emotional need. And sometimes just knowing that makes that particular bite enough. So enough of this show, BCs. I hope you enjoyed all these thoughtful, interesting comments that we had. I certainly look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, take care because I really, really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound.